0: Hello, you're listening to Reminisce, the Empowered Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Reed, and tonight we have with us a panel of black male educators, and we're going to discuss the momentum for impact. Um, if we could just go around and introduce ourselves first, we have Darswell Johnson.
1: Hello, my name is Darshwell Johnson. I've been in education for 20 years. I currently teach first grade special ed CRI.
0: And we have Dayton Boyd.
2: Hi, good afternoon. My name is Dayton Boyd. I am a teacher and administrator uh, right in the city of Brotherly Love for the School District of Philadelphia.
0: And we also have Mr. Anderson.
3: (laughs) Hello, I'm William Anderson. I teach in Denver, Colorado. This is my 11th year in education. I teach at D. Manuel High School Social Studies, and I'm also a part-time administrator doing coaching, evaluation, and um, leading professional development within the school.
4: And we also have Dr. McClure. Hey, everyone. My name is Byron McClure. I am a school psychologist practicing here in the Washington, D.C. area, Southeast D.C., to be exact. Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming on the call. Um, I just want to share a few statistics um, to get us thinking about this topic of the black male educator. Um, The research for action report showed that 96% of teachers in Pennsylvania are Caucasian. Nationally, that's 18% of teachers of color, and only 2% of black males are in the education profession. So I just want to say thank you um, from the bottom of my heart to devoting yourself to education. And that will get us into our first question, question, which is, why did you want to devote your life to education?
1: Well, okay, this is Joshua Johnson. Um, I devoted myself to education to give young black males, well, all my students, actually, um, a strong foundation, you know, uh, especially for the young black guys to see a young black educator. Um, You know, it kind of changed their perspective and let them know there's more to life than what they see on the videos and on the corners.
2: Um, Dayton Boyd, I believe that... It was my purpose. It wasn't an opportunity that was uh, an avenue where I could just walk into. Um, I believe that it was a gift. And for me to matriculate in this area, um, I also believe that education is the passport out of poverty and dealing on the basis of that my students live in poverty, it is my, I believe that it is my job and my purpose to help them forge a sense of identity and knowledge of knowing that they too can, you know, be someone in America and contribute to our system here that we have um, that has been structured here within our government and the way that we do things as a people. And, you know, it, it it was based on purpose. It happened on purpose, and that's why I've dedicated my life not only to education but social justice and social work and um, child advocacy because they're all – you know, it's just a, moderate, a, a myriad of, um, you know, connections that all intertwine with education. Yeah, this is Byron Go McClure. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, sorry, this is Byron McClure. Um, it's actually funny. I actually uh, got into education on an accident. <laughs> um, initially, I always wanted to be um, a clinical psychologist. Um, When I actually went to graduate school, um, I was going through my program, I was taking a course, and we had to discover, uh, you know, the different pathways uh, within clinical psychology, you know, whether we have our own private practice, whether we uh, go to a clinic. uh, We had to figure out the the right path. Um, And I found out that the path where I wanted to go, uh, that of uh, private practice, Um, I couldn't work with the demographic that I wanted to, being uh, minorities, um, people of color. I actually found out that uh, very few minorities actively sought out uh, clinical health, mental health resources, and I was distraught. I didn't know what to do, and I actually walked out of the hall, and it just so happened. um, I actually think it was divine intervention. The director of the school psychology program came to me. uh, We had a conversation. And she explained to me, hey, uh, at that time I uh, wasn't Dr. McClure, she said, Ms. McClure, um, you can actually go into schools and work with minority youth. And there are schools everywhere. And you can reach the children at a young age and help shape and mold them and provide mental health services at a young age. And from there, uh, I just fell in love with it. And I've been in the schools ever since, uh, being, and I've been blessed. I've been fortunate uh, to work with youth of color, providing mental health supports, providing those services, and it is literally uh, life-changing work uh, that I'm doing and the rest of the gentlemen are doing as well. Um, And I've dedicated my life, I've devoted my life to helping improve outcomes uh, for youth of color.
3: Um, William Anderson here. Um, I think you're going to add... I had a great social studies teacher when I was in um, middle school and kind of made the decision that when I grew up, I wanted to be a social studies teacher and kind of went about just making that dream come true. And what's kept me in that is just, I, I think this is just the best job out there. Like I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else um, outside of teaching. I just have a, a love for the students, a love for helping them uh, pepper their ideas about what history is and their, their role in history, and just being able to engage with the communities and other teachers. And I just I love the whole idea of just being a teacher and what it can uh, mean to students, to neighborhoods, to cities, and all of the above.
0: Mhm. All of your stories are are filled with so much passion, and it's sometimes a little baffling to me when we look at the statistics that only 2% of black males are educators. So how do you think that you can build relationships with other black males in order to direct them into the teaching profession? Anyone can answer in any order.
1: You
3: know, what I do with my my students. Oh, go ahead. Oh, right on. Um, I was just thinking. I think that two percent is a is a good reflection of not only not a good, but a, a reflection of kind of the stigma around teaching in general, um, more than it is something for black men or of people of color being in, in the profession. I think uh, because teaching isn't viewed as the profession and the the masters of their craft and of their content that teachers are, it kind of creates this uh, bad stigma of what it means to be a teacher. So really trying to recruit folks into it really starts with kind of knocking down the walls of people thinking that teaching is just trying to control these out-of-control children and Bad parents and just waiting for summer vacation and just all kind of the bad things that the media kind of puts out about teaching and really showing them the beauty that exists um, within the profession and the honor and uh, the privilege that it is to be a teacher.
0: Mm -hmm. So how can how can you as a black male educator then change that narrative?
1: Joshua Johnson. You know, it's a lot of students. You know, my students. You know, they, you know, they grew up hearing. Even I grew up hearing that teachers are the most overworked, underpaid. So you know, a lot of kids that grow up. You know, like I said once again, with the phones, with the the internet, the athletes. So you know, it's kind of overlooked. You know, so I just you know reach out to my like like Mr. Dayton said earlier. You know, you have to have it had to be a calling. You know, you have to have a passion for it. Um, I see a sense of urgency in, in my community. I grew up, like you said, southeast D.C., um, you know, I mean, real hard life, you know, coming up, you know, seeing a lot. And, um, you know, it was real sense of urgency. A lot of those guys, you know, back in those days was uneducated, you know, fast money, and, I, you know, I, and I see a lot of young guys still trying to hold on to some of that stuff, even it would never be like that again, you know. So I just, you know, I just try to, you know, bring them down to earth, Um but they got Shalamander, he said, telling the kids forget their dreams, you know, and, you know, just do, yeah, yeah, he got the thing, yes, because, you know, a lot of these kids, they, it's fine to have those dreams, but, you know, you know, you got to really find your true calling, what you're really good at, and, you know, I try to reach the students that I see it in them, you know, that they, know, they're class leaders, you know, young, big black guys, you know, just try to set in the right direction. If they're calling, they will come to it. But that two percent is kind of staggering, though, you know, because there's so many young black guys coming up. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because this Byron McClure,
4: I'm working in Southeast. I'm at Anacostia High School, so mm-hmm. I know exactly exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, for uh, to answer that question, um, it's about exposure. It's about the opportunity. Of just how I didn't even know. Uh you could be a psychologist working in schools. I'm sure a lot of you know other young guys, young black males they don't even realize recognize that you can actually teach. I mean I grew up, and I can't count on my hand the number of black male teachers that I had um, so for me, it's a lack of exposure, and the way to counteract that is just exposing you know younger younger guys to the field and presenting them with the opportunity and encouraging them, letting them know, like, this is the route, this is the option um, that you can take. Um, In fact, through my national association, uh, we're working on a program. um, We just uh, finished the beta where we're actually presenting to undergraduate students at HBCUs um, as well as high school students about the field of psychology. And the purpose of it is to recruit and expose uh, simply bringing awareness to the field, letting them know, like, hey, this is an option for you all. And I think the same goes for the teacher profession as well. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Dayton, do you have any comments?
2: Um, I believe that, you know, we have to, go about recruiting uh, young men of color, um, especially at the undergraduate level. But I find that the issue is the simple fact that those, okay, a lot of our uh, HBCUs, especially here in uh, Pennsylvania, we only have two, but they don't even have an education program for the undergraduates. Cheney, they lost their, Cheney lost their credential. Yeah. Lincoln lost theirs. And if you want to get a master's in education, you got to do it at the graduate level, which means you got to go uh, your entire undergraduate experience, undergrad at these two HBCUs, uh-huh. uh, in a track that is not related to education it may be uh or education period. You might have to go into social work or communication or what have you. But then where you have someone like me who went to a PWI, a lot of our students of color they struggle at PWIs. And mm-hmm. the 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 uh the the track for education is a lot more rigorous. So therefore we see a lot of our young men of color going into the social work, going into the communications, going into the engineering, or vice versa. And so we have, what I find, a lot of men who have come into education by way of career change, and it's like after the fact, after they've done everything, it's like, oh, well, this is what I'm going to do now. For instance, I know someone who worked in business, and now they're at a oh so this is what I'm going to do now because I couldn't get a job in business because I was uh, uh, uh laid off so now I'm going to go in and become a substitute teacher, then I grow to like what i'm doing so now, if I want to keep my job as a teacher, I have to go and become certified and I have to enroll in an academic program, which means I got to pursue the master's for the next one and a half, two years. So now we're looking at more money that has to be invested, and not to mention how are you going to get that money to pursue that additional education for the master's credential for you to then pursue classes in education? And so I look at it like there are a lot of parameters that are uh, blockades that are keeping our men of color from out of the profession or I wouldn't even say keep but hindering them and i can even go as far as to the extent of stating that perhaps the certification exam could play a role in that you know we have a lot of male and females and people in general i'm in the commonwealth of pennsylvania one of the toughest uh, places where you can take a teaching exam, and we have one of the most rigorous exams, and that's probably why, Ryan Reed, 90-something percent of white people you mentioned are teaching here in the Commonwealth because our people, a lot of people of color, are having trouble passing the exam. They're having that, a lot of people had that financial barrier It costs money to keep taking that exam, and it gets to the point, well, forget it. I'm not going to do it no more. What's next? So what, now what? What do I do next? Because this ain't working for me. So then a lot of our people of color, they find other avenues to impact our children, but they don't end up as the teacher on role. They become our tutors They become our social workers, our child advocates. They become our therapeutic support staff. They become our climate specialists. They become our uh, 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 specialist teachers where you don't really have to be certified to be a specialist teacher in many cases. You don't need a certification to teach dance and Uh, Ballet, hip-hop, you don't need a certification for that. They become our acting teachers or our extracurricular program specialists. And they impact our kids, but there are parameters and barriers that have been set up within the system that are lines of invisible racism that have pretty much exiled our people are black males. And then when you get in the line of the, of the background checks, you know, issues with background checks, and the fact that certain, uh, uh, I could say certain egregious activities that happen not on purpose or or, or purposely can't be expunged. So it's a lot of, It's a lot of uh, ways and lines of uh, scenarios that we can go on. I mean, the list can go on, and we can talk about this until we're red, blue in the face, and it's like, how do we solve the problem? It's going to take a lot, and it's going to take a lot of people. I really believe that the person who finds the answer to this question on what we can do, They'll be a best-seller, book writer, PD uh, uh, presenter, webinar uh, presenter, because they will have the formula. Right now, it's like osmosis. What Mm -hmm. is going on? I
0: honestly think that the answer is on this call, so that's why you know I wanted to bring you guys together and, and celebrate black male educators because you are the voice for other black male educators. That's why it's important for you to build systems and programs within your school so you can reach out to other black males that you um, were previously men- mentioning, but making sure that it's systematic um, implementation in your systems. And then them from there, like small systems, you can expand out. Yes.
3: Um, add from Mrs. Anderson to, to the idea of the, the systematic issues. I think um, as a black man, I think all the – I don't want to speak for anybody else who's on the panel, and I'm, I'm sure you could speak for this too, Mr. Um I think – putting the, the the work on us to be the ones to solve this problem is uh, just another kind of a black tax that we are willing to pay, but I think it's kind of almost part of the reason that also keeps us out of it because it, we're being asked to do so much. We're being asked not only to teach, we're not being only to coach, being asked to ask the mm-hmm. counsel, being asked to support financially, being asked to all these things to support ourselves completely into education, and um, that makes it really hard to recruit somebody to say, hey, you need to go ahead and dedicate your whole being and your whole self to something. Um, And I don't think necessarily that that we have to take on all of that. I think when we talk about colleges not (laughs) recruiting and turning men of color or black men in particular into teachers, I think we really need to start to push on our – um, historically black colleges and our um, PWI institutions. PWI institutions have no problem recruiting black males to play sports. Like if you look across the D1 spectrum for football, basketball, some of baseball, some of the track teams, they're full of black men, but we, they can recruit them to play sports, but they can't recruit them to become teachers. Um, I think that's uh, a problem that exists within the college system that we have to start to put pressure on those institutions to solve. Um, The same for HBCUs. HBCUs recruit like crazy, but they don't recruit people to become teachers, and that's a problem of the institution. That's not a problem of people who are in the profession, not out fishing. Um, I also think we have to start to, if we want to look on the individual basis, um, charter schools have provided opportunities for people to kind of hop, skip, and jump over some of the um, problems. that I think it was Brother Boyd who was talking before me or before you, Miss Reed, um, with certifications where you can teach in a charter school without having to be um, to pass that practice test, that place test, or whatever that state test is, without having to have necessarily a degree in the uh, particular field that you want to teach. Um, things like Teach for America and all the other different programs too, to prevent, present opportunities for black males to be able to become teachers, but they, those institutions and those spaces aren't the ones who are out there getting and recruiting the people that do, that they want to teach. They're leaving it up to black males who are already having to be a black male in America and all that. And that entails to also mm. being an educator, to also being husbands, fathers, sisters, or husbands, fathers, sons, um, uncles and all the other stuff that we have to do, and now we also have to be responsible for recruiting the black male teacher. I mean, that just—it just seems like a, a it seems like a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. So it—it it can't. It, everything can't land on the black male. That is definitely true. Um, so and can...
2: also, Miss Miss Reed, I like to interject and uh, add this uh, caveat that even in the charter school. They will allow you to teach uncertified, but only for the basis of uh, being on a 18-month plan. And if you're doing what you need to do and you're in a program and you're working towards certification, then they might keep you a little bit longer. But it's, it's very trying when, try, when uh, looking toward recruiting, you know, men of color to be teachers. Mm-hmm.
0: So in your um, system that you work in now, are there pipelines that help um, men of color either in alternative way or explicitly? helping males of color get into the teaching profession?
2: Well, here in Philadelphia, we have the BMAC organization, which is the black male educators uh, here, and we uh, will host our conference in October. So uh, take a look at that on Google, a little uh, side promo. And we also have the um, black male fellowship, which is... uh, here in Philadelphia, which also seeks to recruit uh, black males to be teachers, well, men of color, because I don't want to just say black males, you know, we need the the Spanish, we need the Haitian, we need the African, we need all men of color. So uh, we recruit those people also, and um, there's along with their recruitment are the avenues provided for, okay, this is this university that you can go to that has an accelerated program that can get you X, Y, and Z and prep you for the exam so you can uh, have enough credits for that professor or chair of the department to recommend you for your intern certification, which will be good here in the Commonwealth of PA for about uh, three years. And then once you obtain your uh, intern certification and you complete your Uh, accelerated master's in education program, then you'll qualify for that level one certification, which will be um, in good use for six years before its conversion to level two for the 99 years. So there are tracks. We just got to have people who are passionate and interested and not in it for the money because this is not a money-making business. And you got to have... You got to be thorough and um, open minded to this because not only are you a teacher, because nowadays it's not just, oh, I'm coming to teach and I'm going to dismiss my class and walk to my car and go home. No, at the end of the day, you the teacher, while in that classroom, you the social worker, you the parent, you the parental counselor, you the psychologist. You the advocate. You the you the you team clean. You gotta clean your own classroom because the maintenance folk don't work, really want to do their job, yeah, and, really and really everybody blow. still yeah, wants to get a check. It. So you wear you wear every head. You wear every head. You the representative in court. You even out there climbing culture at the beginning of the school day to the end of the school day. Oftentimes. Got to walk all the way to the end of the block with certain kids to make sure that they get home. So we're looking for the 21st century educator who is uninhibited in all attributes because this is an uninhibited position, profession, I should say. It's just not teaching. It's uninhibited. You got to be able to go above and beyond in your practice.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, you do. Like I said, yeah, you do have to have the passion to teach. You know, you, you know, I, it's, they say so many teachers with side jobs. You know, doing Uber and you know, doing things. Cause, like I say, a lot of, and, that, and that's uh, also a deterrent to keep young black men out of education. You know, cause like I said, growing up, I heard it all the time. You know, how teachers are the most, you know, underpaid, overworked. So, you know, a lot of, and that's, that being a lot of these guys here is coming up, you know, they want to be, there's so many black athletes that's and superstars and entertainers that these young guys, young boy oh, he looks like me, and he, what is he doing, you know, and so, mm-hmm. you know, like they said, 2% in the whole country is like, you know, I mean. Mm-hmm.
0: So how can, we, how can we make the teaching profession more appealing um, to make it seem as if, Teachers are um, fulfilling that role I
1: think, I think you have to have a love like for a it.
0: football player
1: The kids, like they 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 look at me like you know, uh, last year I was fifth grade uh, c set, and you know I just I just made it fun, you know uh, I was like like the big brother, but also stern and you know, and you know really there to educate first but we also had a good time doing things outside of the classroom. Like we had a project where they called the government and they donated trees and the kids planted trees and we were in the newspaper, um, you know, doing different things like that. You know, just made it seem, you know, cool to the guys, you know. And
0: oh, positive news, positive news in the yeah media. Had
1: action. You know, have I mean, we actually they actually wrote a letter to the Greenbelt politicians, you know, and to get this to get the funding, and you know, so they got this, you know, that kind of things. Like it's powerful for at a young age. The grassroots, getting the guys out there, showing them that they do have a voice, you know, stay positive, you know, respect the ladies, uh, put your pants up, you know, just the, the basic things. Let them, and, you know, seeing me walk in, sometimes I come in with tennis shoes and baseball caps, sometimes I come with a suit, or, you know, a tie. You know, but saying that, showing the guys that it's cool. You know, be yourself, you're a young black man, you know, the world's against you, uh, but just find that higher power, believe me, you know, just, you know, I, I just you know, and they and they love it. You know, they eat it up. You know, and they come back and visit. You know, when they go up to middle school and high school, and you know, they still respect me and shake my hand and talk and you know. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. So it goes I think back. Part to of the. the you know, uh huh.
0: Go ahead.
3: Um, please go ahead. I was just No, saying, I was I saying. Think, um, <laughs> Go ahead, Mister please.
0: I was just saying that um, it goes back to building those positive relationships um, with the people that you interact with on a daily basis, and I think that has one of the strongest um, impacts is the relationships that we build.
3: Oh, uh, Very much so, and I think uh, being able to just experience um, education and what it means to be a black male teacher in different, Spaces, I think it was Brother Boyd who brought up the um, BMI, the Black Male Institute that they do out there in Philly, um, which is an amazing, amazing event. I think last year they had, uh, we had 700 Black Male educators from all over the country, some birds down on Philly, um, from all walks of education. Um, I think the only thing that we were missing were high school students or college students who might have been interested in becoming teachers and to be able to see um, what it could really mean to be a black male educator. Uh, I think that, and um, forgive me, I I can't remember the name of the brother who just just spoke, but
1: um, Uh, I think,
3: yes, sir, I think you're absolutely right in being able to show students um, that we can be our authentic selves. and still be able to have a job as prestigious as being a teacher. Um, I'm not as much a fan of the respectability kind of politics that um, I think kind of push our black males out of not only teaching but out of a lot of different professions about I push them out of being um, professional at all, this idea that they have to change the way they talk, change the way they dress, change the way they act you know, get haircuts, don't get tattooed, and, like, all that stuff, I think um, the more we change the idea and the thought that we teach to them that, hey, if you want to do something, you have to be able to be great at it, and if you're great at something, people are going to take you for whoever you are and almost however you present yourself. The fact that you are a black male is going to be a little bit harder um, I think that depends. It depends on how great you are at that thing that you want to be. And If you're an amazing teacher and you want to wear jeans, sneakers, and T-shirts to work, if you're great, they're going to let you wear jeans, T-shirts, and sneakers to work. Um, and that students, that the teacher profession is a space where students do have the opportunity to really be themselves and to really connect and make relationships with other um, students and other professionals, that um, impact them not only in work but outside of work too. Mm-hmm. Dr. Shout
0: out to the Yeah, thank you. Dr. McClure, do you have any comments? I know um, you had a statement earlier that made it seem like you were different because you um, were a psychologist, but I think that you still make an impact i um, in the school community, and you're part of the profession of education. So I really would like you to um, also just share and give your comments too. So um, you, I think you were mentioning a system that you talked about earlier. Can you just share a little bit more about that program that you have to recruit and why you think it's making an impact?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I just have to say it's been a pleasure listening to all the brothers on the call I'm definitely learning a lot. Um, I think this is a, a great part, you know, being a, a brother in education is just being able to, to learn and grow with one another. Um, so here in Southeast, um, and, it, well, I guess it's more of a national program, but being able to be part of the National Association of School Psychologists, um, we've intentionally uh, made the the decision to actively recruit and build in systems to retain um, professionals, um, psychologists. And, and the hope is that by doing that, you know, we're getting more people of color um, into the field of education. And this model could be used uh, for teaching, for social work, for any other aspect. But the actual name of the program is called the HBCU Exposure Project. And we, we actually just started, myself and another gentleman, uh, Dr. Charles Barrett, um, he's a psychologist in Loudon of Virginia. Um, but we started, we wanted to target a student, undergraduate students of historically black colleges and universities, um, exposing them to uh, education, to the field of school psychology. Um, but one of the other brothers on the call, he brought up a point um, of in the education field, a lot of the programs that HBCUs um, are losing their accreditation, uh, they're not, uh, you know, strong programs, and there's not that many of them. Well, it's the same in psychology as well. Um, and one of the things that we found is that there were only three HBCUs that had a school psychology program, uh, which right. is horrible. Um, and mm-hmm. during the the course of us presenting, um, one of those programs uh, actually phased out, <laughs> And so now, even in this area, we have Howard uh, University and Bowie State who have school psychology programs. Um, and so we actually have to expand uh, our program so that it would be sustainable uh, to high school students. And what we found is that there are so many high school students there, are um, younger than graduate students, and we had a much more powerful way of reaching students Exposing them to education and creating that awareness. Um, to even where we've had students say, Man, now I'm ready to go into school, and this is, uh, this is um, the, the space where I'll be able um, to make a difference. And that's been powerful. I've had students, after I've given the presentation at, at a high school, say, I'm going to get to the field of school psychology. And, and that's been powerful. And I think a similar model can be used in the field of education, like presenting to high school students. When I was in high school, my focus was on sports and girls. Like, that was it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I always knew my backup plan was going to be psychology, but if I would have had somebody come to me and say, hey, Byron, like, you can go into the field of education. Like, you can become a teacher. Like, that never crossed my mind in high school. So I think the program that we have, the HBCU Exposure proje- Project, is the model that can be used not only in psychology, but in the field of teaching um, and recruiting, um, you know, students at a younger age. hmm So,
0: mm-hmm. so um, what unique features of these programs do you think that we need to repeat in order to be successful? Like as a black male, what do you need to sustain yourself in the job of being an educator, I know I'm, this is going to be my last question unless you want to keep I'm um, talking because I know it's 3:50 right now.
3: Um, I think just more networks, more networks, more opportunities like this for people to be able to to share their voice. Um. I'm a beat the drum of the Black Male Fellowship out in Philly and what them brothers in Philly are doing over and over and over again. Um, I lo- I'm looking forward to this one that's coming up in October. The one that was last October was uh, one of the best experiences I've had in my professional career of being able to be surrounded by 700-plus um, black men in education from all over the country in all sorts of facets of education, from Excuse me, elementary, all the way up through um, higher ed to people who are in the district, to authors, to just all of that, and being able to to see that, being able to meet with them, to build with them, to to dialogue with them about their experience. It was really um, educational. It was therapeutic. It was fun. Uh, it was all the things that you you really need in order to be able to feel like you're not alone in the work. I mean, I work in Denver, Colorado, and I know compared to where the rest of y'all brothers live, like there ain't too many brothers out here, you know what I mean? Like we're we're few and far in between out here in Denver, you know, so to be able to go uh, to places and and just see so many uh, brothers doing the good work Um, gave me energy. I'm still going on that energy, and I'm waiting to to refill my cup when the next one comes in October, and also thinking about ways that what uh, those brothers out there, um, Shafiq and and Vic and all those dudes have done out there, um, how can we get one in Cali? How can we get one in New York? Um, How can we get one in Texas? How can we get one in Denver? Shoot, let's bring... I want 700 brothers to come and converge on Denver and shake this whole city up and show them what a bunch of black male educators do and just continue to contribute to that narrative to be able to, to make it so that the masses have to be able to see us, to see that we're there, that we're positive, that we're doing the work that needs to be done, um, that we come in all shapes and sizes, that we come in all sorts of styles, that we come with, our own unapologetically black selves, and that's all right. And that doesn't mean that we're we're doing something wrong, that we could be doing something beautiful in that type of space with that type of group.
1: Yeah, gosh, well I also think, you know, politically, politically, you know, we need help from politicians because, I mean, I was watching this. HBO has this series coming out in August about, you know, blacks in education and um, in schools, and one of the, even one of the kids was saying how, like, this country, you know, we wasn't meant to, you know, you know the whole the whole story about the black man in America. So, you know, until we get the help from the higher ups, and you know, the way it's looking right now, it's like um, basically all we have is us, and uh, you know, and then a lot of the stuff this program, you know, geared towards getting our young blacks black men minds, you know, just keeping them in the gutter is like. We, we, yeah, it's just a lot of work to be done, you know, prayer and all that, you know, because I mean it's it's, it's a battle, this <laughs> is a, a strong battle, but I, you know, I just do best I can, it's just try to live righteous, and that's all we can do. Yeah. Any other comments?
3: Um, I'd like to highlight the brother who's um, the doctor, excuse me, the doctor who's doing the, the exposure project. Um, man, I, is that a, I have a question, really. Is that a project that um, or an initiative that you and some uh, fellow psychs um, developed yourselves, or is that just something that you guys joined or are promoting? Yeah, we
4: actually developed it. Uh, ourselves. It's a group of us. It's myself. Uh, it's actually led by Dr. Charles Barrett um, and about two other psychologists. Um, you know, just phone calls, uh, late nights working on it, uh, going back to the drawing board, um, coming up with the ideas. Like I said, our initial target. I mean, that's why the name is HBCU. Like we targeted <laughs> undergrad students, but there wasn't that many. So we had to regroup and target you know high school students, but um it was how it work and we're fortunate to to be supported by our national association um, but it's it's a handful of us doing the work and I think that says a lot It only takes a handful of us to make a difference and and we're we're on the ground we're doing the work so okay. and, and just for for some numbers um the beta of the project, I think we started like around. Uh, April, and from April to the end of June, uh, we were able to uh, present to 820 uh, students,
3: which is amazing.
2: That's um,
3: that is. And the reason I asked is because, I mean, I think the blueprint that you guys made to create such a, a, a project and an experience and a recruitment tool is something that um, more of us need because, I mean, um, I think we all have different networks and all have different groups of folks that we can really reach out to to create something like that. Um, But a lot of us just need, I know I can all speak for me. I want to know how you did it. I want to know where where did it start, where was the middle, and, like, how are you sustaining it so that um, I can try to do something similar in my own um, particular niche lane too, man, because that's great work, yeah, we can definitely connect, man. Right
0: yes. You can um, – I will also suggest that you apply to present next year at Harvard University. They um, – actually, that's where I met Mr. Anderson. We both presented at Harvard this year. And there will be a great place that you can share your knowledge. So I'm sure that when you connect with William, he's going to share that information with you so you okay. can apply. Okay. Um, next year. So um, I would just like to say thank you for coming and sharing your wisdom with us. Um, the takeaways that I got were it's very important to build grassroots relationships and and also building a pipeline from the high school to the colleges, as well as sustaining the programs that we have um in colleges, because, you know, now I see um, from this conversation a breakdown, we're recruiting all these males of color, but then where are we sending them to, and do they have the emotional support to sustain themselves while they are attending college, and then also getting into the profession itself. So, you know, there are a lot of programs that we need to help bring more black educators into the profession, not just teaching, but, you know, we're also talking about psychologists and all the um, programs that and professions that Mr. Boyd mentioned previously. So um, if you could just share where people can contact you at, an uh, email or a social media page so you guys can all connect, and then you can also have the people who are listening to this call um, also reach out to
2: you. Um, it was a great oh, oh I'm sorry. Go
4: ahead.
2: It was a great opportunity conversing with everyone and uh receiving the viewpoints and perspectives from everyone in the field and um I'm very appreciative of that. Um my name is Dayton Boyd representing Philadelphia and um if you have a moment, um take the opportunity to uh check out my school, Bethune, Mary McLeod Bethune Elementary School. We were featured on uh, NBC Nightline with – uh can't recall his name, but uh, Lester Hall. And, um but it wasn't him who interviewed us. I can't recall the, the name of the interviewer, but um, my school is one of the schools in Philadelphia where – this upcoming year, we'll have thirty-five percent men of color uh, represented at my school. Thirty-five percent. Every class from grades one to eight will have one to two uh, male teachers of color. Okay. And, and I can um, be reached. Uh huh.
0: I was just saying, where where can you be reached?
2: I can be reached on Facebook at uh D Boyd Claiborne or um by email DA Boyd1126 at gmail dot com. My
1: name is uh Dashwell, dashwell Johnson and you can uh, my email is dashwell dot johnson at Prince George's County Public dot org. Uh well or PGCPS dot org. And, um and yeah, you know, I just want to say it was a great talking to you guys. Uh, like I said, I learned a lot, and I'm just glad to see – it's always good to see, you know, black males, you know, old and young, just, you know, just being positive and, you know, and just, you know, yeah, just hanging in there because, you know, like I said, we was, it, was, it wasn't designed for us, and to see guys who got their fans, who got their stuff together and on the right track is it's always a blessing, you know, so. Y'all have a good night. God bless.
3: All right. Thank you. This is uh William Anderson. Um, thank you um so much, Miss Reed, for bringing uh this panel together. It was a, a blessing for real to be able to sit here and build with um all you gentlemen and, and yourself, Miss Reed. Um if you guys want to reach out, um please feel free um on Twitter at um M I Z. P-E-R underscore A, um, as well as via email, William underscore Anderson at D-P-S-K-12 uh, Feel free to reach out. Um, I'll definitely be in Philly for the Black Male Fellowship. To any black male educators out there, it is a must-attend event. Please, 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 all the brothers on this call, anybody who gets to hear this, make Mm -hmm. sure you're there. Even if you're not a black male educator, be in Philly in October for this event just so you could see and experience um, 700-plus black men in education coming together, working hard, and uh, doing the work that that we're on this call talking about doing. So um, thanks again so much, Ms. Reed. Thanks so much. Uh, fellas, brothers, for being on the call and uh, sharing your time.
4: Yeah, this is Byron McClure. Um, like everybody else, thank you, Miss Reed, for the opportunity. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you brothers and, and just getting knowledge. Um, that's always a, a pleasure. Uh, you all can find me. I'm on social media, uh, especially Twitter, at uh, School Psych Life. Um, that's Psych, P-S-Y-C-H, Life, L-I-F-E, School Psych Life. Uh, you can also email me, uh, Byron, at BigFiveTech.com. That's Big 5 Tech, BigFiveTech, B-I-G-F-I-V-E-T-E-C-H.com. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to Reminisce, the podcast that empowers. This is your host, Ryan Reed, and I hope you enjoyed our dialogue on the black male, educator building momentum for impact.
3: East.